Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Tyler Rocky got you for the whole hour here on the voice of the central New York sports fan. Hope you all had a fantastic Thanksgiving. Plenty to get to on today's show. We got a ton of Syracuse football. We're going to hit on all that, including what's ahead for today against Boston College, as well as some reaction from Notre Dame. Syracuse basketball, too. Well, I'll give you my thoughts on the Colgate game and the road ahead for the Orange. A couple of very important games coming up for the Cuse in this upcoming month of December. And then some football recruiting news. Syracuse with a haul this week. I'll tell you who those guys are and more coming up in just a little bit. But first, be sure to follow us everywhere online, orangefizz.net. Also, Facebook, Twitter, SoundCloud, and iTunes. Subscribe, rate five stars. You'll get all the episodes of Fizz Radio like this one, as well as some FizzCasts as well, our full podcast that me and Tim Leonard do, and as well as our preview shows for all the games. So you'll get all of that by subscribing to us on iTunes and checking us out on SoundCloud. So be sure to find us on all those outlets. Always good stuff coming out from the Fizz and Tim Leonard and I will be getting into a lot more basketball stuff as well as some bowl stuff as we approach the upcoming weeks. And we're hoping to get Mikel Jones on, a guy who committed, four-star linebacker out of IMG Academy, committed to the Orange this past week. I'll talk about him later on in the show. So hopefully we'll have all that for you coming up down the road. But first, one team to really be thankful for in this Thanksgiving season is Syracuse football. You can't say enough about what this team's done so far. Heading into week 12, the final week of the regular season. How about that? This college football season absolutely flew by. But you got to you gotta tip your hat to what Syracuse did. You are entering week 12 with an 8-3 and record. You can just as easily right now be 10-1 and as you are 8-3. and But that, I mean, that's a whole nother story right now. And this Syracuse team, there's really been one loss where you're like, all right, yep, they, they got their lunch handed to them that game, and it was last week against Notre Dame. Um, but Syracuse, there is a lot to build on, and especially with the football recruiting stuff that I'll talk about later on, there is so much. I mean, when you look at what Dino Babers has done with this program to make a Week 12 relevant for Syracuse, where you're looking at playing for a higher bowl position as opposed to maybe fighting for the bowl. Because remember, the expectation coming in to 2018 for this team was that you get to Week 12 against Boston College, and that's going to be a game that you're maybe fighting to get into a bowl. You could be 5-6 and six heading into this final game, or you could be 6-5 and five right now trying to establish yourself as a, a real bowl team and not just one of the, the teams that slides in in the back door with six wins. No, this game actually means something to elevate bowl status. You're looking at a potential 9-3 and three season for the Qs. That game coming up against Boston College at noon. You can catch it on ESPN. And if you can't catch that, you can follow us online on Twitter. I'll be the at Chestnut Hill for this game, and you'll you'll get all our great tweets and stuff like that from live from the game. But to make a Week 12 relevant in Year 3, where you're looking at a chance to build up to a potential double-digit win season, I mean, look at the senior class. Coming into 2018, had experienced 12 wins. Just 12. 
and now they have a chance for double digits in 2018 alone if they can take care of business today against Boston College and if you can go out and win your bowl game against whoever it may be. This is a team that is super legit right now, and even though they really, the, the nation itself is pumping the brakes on the Orange after an absolute beatdown against Notre Dame a week ago, and rightfully so. Notre Dame, clearly the superior team. I don't think it would have mattered if Eric Dungey was out there or Tommy DeVito. I'll get to this, some quarterback stuff in just a little bit, but yeah, I don't think it really would have mattered at all who was under center for the Orange. Syracuse looked overmatched in that game, and it's, it's funny to say that because against Clemson, the team did not look overmatched in a true road environment. This was a neutral site game, and Syracuse just looked overmatched. Tommy DeVito was sacked six times in this game. The offensive line was overwhelmed against a lesser Notre Dame defensive line. Now, don't get me wrong, Notre Dame's defensive line is no slouch. They're one of the, the best that the Orange is going to face all season, but they're not Clemson good, where you're looking at four guys who might all go in the first round of the NFL draft. They're good, but they're not Clemson good. Clemson was the best defensive line Syracuse is going to face all season long, and I think they only gave up one or two sacks against the Tigers. That right there just shows you everything you need to know. And I think you didn't think coming into this season that the game where Notre Dame really showed it would be legit would be against Syracuse, a, a team that no one could have projected this to be a top 12 matchup. But Notre Dame really, I think they elevated themselves and now, after watching that game and after watching Clemson play Syracuse, I would really give this Notre Dame Fighting Irish team a good chance to beat Clemson in the college football playoff if that so happens to be a matchup that we will see along the way. But that's all down the road. You're listening to Fizz Radio here on the Score 1260. Tyler Aki here until 10 o'clock with you on this Saturday morning. Thanks for joining us. Hope you all had a great Thanksgiving. So Syracuse, now after that Notre Dame game, you've pretty much eliminated yourself from New Year's Six contention. Now you're looking at some of the, the, there's one more tier one bowl that you can get into by ACC standards. That's the Camping World Bowl. And if not, then you're looking at a tier two ACC bowl. So that's the Belk Bowl. That's the Pinstripe Bowl, Sun Bowl, all those right there, the Gator Bowl, all those. So right now you're playing for your bowl. And if Syracuse wins against a BC team that has fallen out of the rankings after losing to Florida State in heartbreaking fashion last week, if Syracuse beats Boston College on the road, you're looking at a team that is probably headed to the Camping World Bowl against a Big 12 opponent. And why is that important? Well, here's why. Because when you look at the bowl selection committee, out of the ACC, not a lot of sexy offenses. It's Syracuse. Clemson's good, but they're already off in the college football playoff. And if they don't get that, they're going to be a New Year's Six team. So when you look at it, if Syracuse gets this ninth win, you finish the season nine and three, second in the ACC Atlantic, and one of the toughest divisions in college football every year because your hurdle every single season is against Clemson to try to dethrone them from being the number one team in the country. But if you can get to that ninth win, finish with the second best record in the division. Then you're looking at facing a big 12 team because that committee is going to want to take a team that can go blow for blow for all 60 minutes offensively with the big 12. And guess who fits that billing in the ACC? It's not Pittsburgh. 
It's not Boston College. It's not and uh, maybe a little bit of NC State, but they've had some losses, and they're certainly below Syracuse with that head-to-head loss against the Orange. But the, Syracuse is the team that they're going to want to face up against a Big 12 team like a West Virginia, who I've seen a lot of people match Syracuse up with for the Camping World Bowl, or a team like Iowa State, another potent offense. That's who they're going to want to see face the Orange in a game like this. And it'll be exciting television. It'll make for a great game. And you're one win away from sending yourself to Orlando. Now, if Syracuse loses this game against Boston College, you're looking at a completely different story here. You're looking at a team that now kind of has to have a little bit of an uphill battle, and you're pretty much a lock at the Pinstripe Bowl because you've got the driving proximity for a fan base. And I've seen some things floated out how, oh, they're not going to want to have Syracuse at Yankee Stadium in twice in about a span of a month. I don't necessarily buy that. I think they would want Syracuse in Yankee Stadium because that's a team that's going to sell out for that game. you got the New York fan base. You're going up against a Big Ten team. That is going to be all but certain, I would guess, if Syracuse can't pull off this win against Boston College. So that's what you got to look out for for the bowl prospects of this team. Now, as for the game itself today, Again, we're recording this on a Thursday, and we're not quite sure what the quarterback situation is quite yet. But regardless of who's under quarterback, the Orange has a chance, a good chance too, to beat a Boston College team because this is a team that they they have a couple of good players in the secondary. You've got some good linebackers. Zach Allen is back on the defensive line. There's players out there who can make things happen defensively but offensively it's a pretty one-dimensional system if you can shut down the run game then you're you're in business against boston college aj Dillon's an all-world talent he came in the season as a heisman contender so you know what he can do offensively he torched the orange last year over 200 yards on the ground i mean you've seen that song and dance but this is a different orange defense now You've got some lockdown guys on the defensive line. Kendall Coleman and Alton Robinson are phenomenal players. Some of the best pass rushers in the country. And then you've got the big guys up front. But defensively, remember a couple of the games earlier in the season when Syracuse got gashed on the ground? Those were games that the Orange thought would come out with a pass-heavy attack. And when they kind of lost a hold of that passing game, and, and they came out with more of a running attack, that's when the Orange thrived. Okay, so remember back to that Clemson game. Syracuse is expecting pass, pass, pass. Trevor Lawrence making his first start. He's going to have to go out there and, and make a name for himself in game one. And he did. He, he, he was The Clemson offense, don't get me wrong, was pass, pass, pass out of the gate. Travis Etienne really didn't get much. But when Trevor Lawrence goes out of that game, that's when – you see ETN get the bulk of the carries, and that's when the Syracuse defense gets out of sort because they're expecting pass, pass, pass. You've game-planned all week for pass, 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 and now here comes the run game. That's when this Orange team got thrown out of sorts. Same thing with Pitt. You, you were expecting, or rather it's kind of the inverse with Pitt. You're expecting run, 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 and then you got a lot of passes out of, the, out of the gate. Same thing with UNC. You're expecting run, 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 you got a lot of passes out of the gate, but you contained the rushing offense, and then as soon as you go into the halftime locker room and now you're pivoting to a passing defense, 
for that second half, that's when they gash you with the run. I mean, I believe UNC was held to under 20 yards rushing in the first half when they faced Syracuse. And Michael Carter is no slouch of a back either. So Syracuse probably going to head into this one thinking, run, run, run. What are you going to do when Anthony Brown wants to unload one? That's when you're going to see what the character of the Syracuse defense is because they got absolutely torched last week. Absolutely torched against a, a good two-dimensional Notre Dame offense. They've got guys on the outside that can catch the ball. Ian Book looked phenomenal. Dexter Williams was great on the ground too. That was a complete football team that they faced last week against Notre Dame. Is this team ready to come back hungry against Boston College? I think so. I think it's going to be a good game. Syracuse, in my opinion, is going to come out on top of this one and get a good road win in the ACC. BC is a quality road win because they've got guys on defense and they've got one of the best rushing attacks in the entire country with one of the best running backs in the entire country. And guess what? He's sticking around at least one more year because A.J. Dillon, just a sophomore, we saw what he did as a freshman against the Cuse, and he's going to cause some problems for the Orange, but we'll see what the linebackers can do. Ryan Guthrie is going to need to step up in this one, and I, I think you're going to have to see some, some really good tackling out of the secondary because it's tough to stop A.J. Dillon in that first level. What do you get when you get to that second level? Who are the guys who can turn what are going to be potentially 10, 15, 20, 30-yard runs and cut them down at just five? And that's something that really impressed me with Andre Sisco in the last game. I know he had the interception against Notre Dame, but he made some great open field tackles. If you go back and watch that game, Andre Sisco was cutting down guys in one-on-one -on -one situations where you thought, okay, this is an easy shed tackle, and then you pick up an extra five to ten yards. Nope, he was cutting these guys down at the point of attack. Him, Trill Williams did a little bit of that as well. I was... I was rather impressed at times with the tackling of some of these young defensive backs. And Andre Sisco, he's got all that length. So does Ifatu Melifonwu. Those are guys who, those are dudes on this team that are going to make an impact down the road. And hey, guess what? They're just freshmen in terms of eligibility-wise for all three of them. The secondary, probably going to be the strength of this Syracuse team over the next handful of years. So Orange and Boston College coming up today at noon. Should be a good one out in Chestnut Hill. As always, we'll have you covered. I'll be out there for that one, tweeting for Orange Fizz, so I'll get you all your game coverage live from BC. Should be a good one between the Orange and the Qs. Anyways, coming up on the other side, the Orange basketball team. They've looked a little shaky out of the gate, had a rough go of it out at Madison Square Garden. A good rebound against Colgate, but what does this Orange team need to do on the road ahead? 1260. All right, welcome back. Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Tyler Aki here with you until 10 o'clock. Hope you all had a great Thanksgiving this past week. I know I did. Saw my Bears beat down on the Lions. Looking like a good season. And very uncharacteristic. It's been weird being a Bears fan and watching the Syracuse team play because I see a lot of similarities and parallels between the two where you bring in a new coach. They're turning around the program. You got just overachieving expectations and it feels really good i remember i think it was week three of the college football season when syracuse beat florida state and the bears beat the seahawks and i'm thinking to myself did i ever think i'd be able to say in the at least 
if I told myself this four years ago, that the Bears beat the Seahawks and the Orange beat the Seminoles on the same weekend. It just has been a crazy year for me to, to kind of process all this stuff. But anyway, Syracuse men's basketball got back on track after an 0 for stretch at Madison Square Garden, beating the Colgate Raiders 77-56, your final from the Dome earlier this week on Wednesday. A couple things to take away from this game. Now, this Orange team, it's certainly been rocky. It was at... At the Garden, when you lost to a UConn team that you were definitely better than, and I think that the players in that locker room know they're better than that, and I don't think we're going to see a lot of performances like that Orange team the rest of the way, where they just get outworked. And then, I mean, what are you going to do against a unicorn like Bull Bull in Oregon? I mean, that Ducks team is very good. Now, Syracuse dropping out of the rankings after that rough stretch, but there's opportunities ahead to get this team back into the top 25, and a lot of it starts on Wednesday, and I'll get to that in just a little bit. But when you look at the Syracuse team in that Colgate game, a lot of good things. Now, I get that it's the Raiders, not a basketball powerhouse by any stretch of the imagination. But there's promising things in there. Frank Howard, first of all, making his debut, it was colossal for this team because it looked like there was finally a little bit of flow in that offense that put up 77 points. But I think the thing with Frank was he comes out, hits that first three, and then only takes four more shots and doesn't doesn't hit any of them. But he does some of the other things. Five assists on offense. That's big for your point guard who's coming in and trying to settle down this offense and get it back into form. Three steals defensively shows he's still got it on that end of the floor. And especially with the conditioning and stuff like that for a guy who hasn't played a game of basketball in real speed since back in March. And then the most important thing for me in that game to see out of Frank Howard was this number. Zero turnovers. That is monumental for a guy last season that led the conference in giveaways. Now, granted, he was on the floor more than any other point guard in the entire conference. But to see him not give the ball away once against this Colgate team, you put up the five assists, the three steals, and the zero turnovers. That's a kind of a metric I like to see out of point guards. It's the assist and steals to your turnover ratio. Frank had eight of those and zero turnovers. It shows that you're taking the ball away, you're flowing on offense, and you're not giving it to the other team. That, to me, is a sign of a good point guard. And, and another important thing off of that, Jalen Carey, the other point guard on this team, didn't score a single bucket, only took one or two shots in the game, I believe. And he's impacting the game in other ways. Four rebounds, which he's showing early on that he is a really good rebounder from that guard position, super athletic, uh, one of the most athletic players on this team this year for sure. One assist, no turnovers in just about 20 minutes. That's promising out of your point guards that they are not coughing the ball up against a lower-level team. Because guess what? You're going to see a lot of these lower-level teams coming up in your next six, seven games, and you're going to need to take advantage and start to blow some of these teams out. They did it against Colgate, a 21-point win. So that's certainly promising. But offensively, there was movement at times, and the big thing for me was seeing Tyus Battle get that confidence and that mojo back. 24 points, that's huge in terms of getting morale back. He had a good stretch scoring-wise 
in the garden against teams like UConn and Oregon and now Colgate. So that's three games in a row after a really rocky start in the two wins to start the season against Moorhead State and Eastern Washington. But the efficiency out of battle, 8 of 10 from the field, 3 of 3 from three-point land. I mean, Tyus Battle has not shot a lot of threes. It's felt like early on he misses that first three and he doesn't revert back to it at all. And that's something that, as a scorer, you're going to need Tyus Battle to be able to knock down that three and hit it confidently. And one of his compliments behind the three-point arc was Elijah Hughes, three of five from three. In fact, when you look at prior to this game, Elijah Hughes was the only player on the team that had made multiple threes in a game. And you're talking about a team that's got a guy like Tyus Battle. They've got even Elijah Hughes. He had only done it in that MSG tournament. A guy like O'Shea Brissett, who has supposedly gotten better with that three-pointer. You've got Buddy Bayheim on the team, whose number one priority on this squad is to be able to knock down threes. And then you got Jalen Carey, who's also an above-average shooter as well. And not a single one of them had made multiple threes in the game before the Garden. That was a little alarming, especially when you're going up against some of these weaker opponents like Eastern Washington and Moorhead State. But to see Tyus Battle go out there and knock down three of three from range, that's a good sign for what's to come offensively out of this team. All right, you're listening to Fizz Radio here on The Score 1260. I'm Tyler Rocky here with you until 10 o'clock this morning. We'll have some Syracuse football coverage for you with us, orangefizz.net, also on Facebook, Twitter, SoundCloud, iTunes. Check us out at Orange Fizz, and be sure to subscribe, follow all those accounts as well. You'll get a ton of great content, everything orange for you here at Orange Fizz. So this road ahead for the Orange now has become increasingly important because when you look at your strength of schedule, Syracuse actually is playing a lot of tough I know a lot of people like to rip the Orange for not playing a lot of tough non-cons. Well, guess what? UConn. It's looking like maybe a little bit of a better team than we thought. Jalen Adams looks like a good player. There's a couple of other guys on that team. Christian Vital looks really good as well. So who knows what Dan Hurley can get those guys to do. If they he can whip them into tournament shape, that's still to be seen. But they're going to have to do some work in the AAC. But Oregon's a legitimate team, a team that is probably going to win the Pac-12. That's how good they are. They've got Bull Bull, a generational player, a guy who I think can be better than Giannis Antetokounmpo at the next level, but that's a whole nother story. But if you just watch him play, I mean, how many guys are you going to find that are over seven foot, can handle like a guard, and have the athleticism of a wing? You're not going to find many players like that. Those are generational talents, and he's going to take Oregon a long way. So those losses aren't going to, or at least the, the loss to Oregon isn't going to look as bad. Now you look at the road ahead. You, got, you took care of business against Colgate in convincing fashion. You got a couple of layups these next two, or rather, you, at, you're going to face Ohio State on Wednesday, and this is a real test. And that's followed up by a couple of layups in Northeastern and, and Cornell. But this Ohio State team, I mean, look at what the Big Ten is doing this year. They look like one of the unsung conferences in all of college basketball. Michigan, Michigan State, rather, hung with kansas in that opening challenge then you see michigan go out and blow the defending champions out of the water now i get villanova isn't the team it once used to be and then they go on to lose to Furman too but they dominated that game start to finish 
And then you look at, at the rest of the Big Ten. I mean, they already played in that Gavit Games against the Big East and absolutely wiped the floor with them. Wiped the floor. And I, I one team that actually has stood out a little bit to me in the early going out of the Big Ten that I think is going to, I mean, you just look at the chain of events and for, the, for anyone out there who's a fan of the transitive property, as I am myself, you look at. So Illinois, a team that not a lot of people have been taking seriously ever since they went to the national championship back in 2005. This team played a super close game with Gonzaga. I mean, this Illinois team is pretty fun to watch, too. They've got a lot of fun players on that team and some young guys, too. But they play a tough, tough game with Gonzaga. All right. And they, and then you see Gonzaga go out and beat Duke. And I know the final score was only two points in that Duke game. But if you watch that game, you saw Gonzaga dominate. You saw an absolute dominant performance out of the Zags. And that Illinois team is just, you're just going to see what a quality of a win against a team like Ohio State could be because the Big Ten is looking like a very strong conference. And I would even argue in the early going, the Big Ten is right up there with the ACC rather as the best conference in basketball. That the Big Ten has impressed me the most in the early going. Absolutely, I mean, you look. Ohio State has had some miraculous road wins, and around the conference, Iowa wins the the two K Classic too. They dominate Oregon, and then they dominate UConn. And that's these are we're talking about the Iowas right here. We're not talking about the Michigan States, the Michigans, and even the Ohio States and Purdue's of the world. We're talking about these lower level teams. And if that's what this is going to be collectively as a conference, you're going to look at some potentially strong wins. And with Ohio State, that strength of schedule, it can really help you in that regard. And that's something that has certainly been a problem for the Orange at times. Now, last year the the strength of schedule was great. But in years past, it hasn't always been. So with this Syracuse team, a win against Ohio State would go a long, long way in the non-conference. It would it would erase a loss. Again. It would certainly erase the loss against UConn. Now, if you can go, go out and beat Ohio State and then you go out and beat Buffalo later on in your non-conference schedule, that altogether wipes out what you lost at, against teams like Oregon and it's against a team like UConn. Because those are two quality opponents that you have scheduled on your non-conference. This Big Ten ACC challenge is going to be phenomenal to watch top to bottom. I didn't even talk about Indiana. Romeo Langford is <laughs> quickly becoming one of my favorite players to watch in all of college basketball. And they're going to go up against Duke. So you can pick up a very quality win on Wednesday against Ohio State. And we'll preview that in, in more depth in, in a podcast coming out later on in the week with me and Tim Leonard. But... There are a lot of opportunities that you have in your non-conference slate. You've already struck out on two of them. Now you got to foul them off at the plate. you got Ohio State and you got Buffalo, and even Georgetown to a degree too because they beat that Illinois team that hung with Gonzaga who beat Duke and dethroned them as the number one team in the country. To me, this Ohio State game is really going to show the true colors. You're going to need to play... Not flawless basketball, but you can't turn the ball over on the road in a Big Ten environment. You look at what Syracuse did. No turnovers out of Frank Howard, no turnovers out of Jalen Carey, and you come away with a 21-point win. 
they're going to need similar performances in terms of giveaways if they want to make any noise in the ACC because they they have to take care of business against the Big Ten, and then you can translate that into a hopefully successful ACC team because when you look around the country, I mean, on Thursday you see UNC go down, Duke goes down the day before that. There's some vulnerability at the top of the conference. Things are shaken out in weird ways. Now, don't get me wrong, teams like Florida State and what's the other team that was at the top? Um, Florida State and Virginia Tech have certainly overperformed out of the gate. But Syracuse, Duke, UNC, I don't know, Duke's had some all-world-beating wins, but I think you're going to see them start to teeter off a little bit down the stretch. Gonzaga was the better basketball team, no question in my mind from what I saw on Wednesday. So that's what to look forward to in Syracuse basketball. They're going to have a tough, tough test against Ohio State coming up. So we'll see if the Orange can pull that out. We'll have all your coverage, breakdown, all that good stuff for you on orangefizz.net. Anyway, team that's really making some noise, Syracuse football, they were loud on the recruiting trail this week. I'll tell you who is coming to the Hill. That's up next. You're listening to Fizz Radio. Welcome back, Fizz Radio, score 1260. Tyler Aki here with you until 10 o'clock on this Saturday morning. Game day for the Cuse. They've got Boston College today out in Chestnut Hill. Should be a great game. you got a 7-4 Boston College team going up against an 8-3 Syracuse team battling for second place in the Atlantic. Think about it. It's so crazy to me to think about this Syracuse team and how they could potentially, they're one or two plays away from playing for first place and a chance at the ACC championship. I mean, this is a team that had the lowest odds to win the Atlantic, the lowest odds to win the ACC as a whole, and they are one they were one play away from being one game away. And that just to me blows my mind about how far this team has exceeded expectations, but They've got to take care of business today out at BC. Should be a fun one. Follow us online at Orange Fizz for all your coverage. Also on online at orangefizz.net for all your post-game reaction and all that good stuff. But looking forward to the future, this is a team with one of the brightest futures in the conference. Of course, you're going to think about Clemson. They're just the perennial dominant powerhouse in the conference. And then... Florida State's going to get their act together. At the end of the day, they're Florida State. Willie Taggart probably will have that program back up and running in a couple of years. May give them a year or two, and that, that thing will be back up to where it once was. But looking ahead, this Syracuse team, and they may even be in a better spot than Florida State long-term in building this brand. Now, Dino Babers has done a phenomenal job recruiting. He picks up three recruits over the week and I'll tell you what he got some dudes first of all let's just start with one Cornelius Nunn he decommitted from the orange earlier now he's re-up and he's back he's gonna be in for good with this orange team down the stretch it's funny Courtney Jackson a guy who committed to Syracuse way earlier in the process he tweeted at him a little jab it was something along the lines of like you here for good now lol and it seemed like they're all it was all in good fun too so but Cornelius Nunn an athlete guy Probably going to play on the defensive side of the ball. Had offers from Auburn, Miami, Georgia, Alabama. And he's going to pick the orange. He's sticking with the orange. And I think that just kind of shows you the state of this program right now. It's no slouch. He passed up on major 
major SEC teams. I mean, you think about the SEC, Bama, Auburn, Georgia, boom, those are your teams right there. And he turned all of them down. Florida kid too, turned all of them down to come up north to the tundra, play in a dome at Syracuse. I think that kind of says a lot about what he is doing or what Dino Babers is doing with this team. And I mean, you look at what this recruiting class is slowly becoming and he could in Dino Babers went into Miami and stole one of their own stole one of the own from the from the Hurricanes guess what he didn't just do it with Cornelius Nunn he also did it with Mikel Jones the latest guy to commit four-star linebacker and this is a a team that is going to be in need of some linebackers down the the next couple of years Jones certainly a guy who can come and make an impact right away four-star guy IMG Academy Played with Andre Sisco and Juan Wallace down in Florida. And guess what? He had offers from Miami, Georgia, Auburn, Clemson. So, boom, you beat Miami in their own backyard again. Mikel Jones, a Miami guy. And then you beat out Georgia and Auburn out of the SEC again. And then you beat out Clemson in your own conference. Being recruited by Brett Venables. Brett Venables is making a higher salary than Dino Babers right now. The highest paid assistant in all of college football. And rightfully so. But you beat him out to get this guy in Mikel Jones. And says a lot about what this team's done recruiting-wise. And Jones seems fired up to be coming to Syracuse. Hoping to have him on the show or the podcast later on as we get closer to signing day and everything. But he's a guy, ESPN 300. You're looking at some guys that are really going to make an impact on the defensive side of the ball. Now, offensively, you don't necessarily have to go out and get these Big time guys because your system has been shown to work with three star guys. Now, of course, you can always be greedy with it and wonder what it could be with these five star level guys. But I mean, if it's working with three star level guys, why don't you try to shore up the defense with these four star and and maybe one day Syracuse lands that five star type of guy thanks to Dino Bayers and what he's built because he's built a great thing. And then it's not just Jones, you also get Lee Kapogba. As well, a guy who was committed to West Virginia, decommitted, and now he had offers from the Mountaineers, and then Florida State was in the mix as well, and Dino Babers goes in and gets a four-star linebacker in Capogba. This is a guy who, I mean, he just shot up the rivals' rankings. He just moved up 139 spots. He's a fringe top 100 player. The guy sits at 107, I believe, in the rivals' rankings. That is astronomical. Astronomical. If you if you had told me Syracuse is going to haul in a guy ranked in near the top 100, top 150 in this class by any recruiting service, I would have called you crazy. And guess what? He may not be the only one because the next guy up, now Syracuse has gone into Miami and Mark Richt has not fenced off his little area down there. He let Dino Babers slide in and steal two of his own. Next, you got to secure the Brooklyn kid. Adisa Isaac, defensive end. This guy's a freak. This guy can get it done defensively for you. And Dino Babers went in and got Kadir White. Now can he go in and get the top guy in his own home state? He's made this emphasis that he wants to have a big footprint in the state of New York in recruiting. Can you get the number one guy in your state right now? If you're supposedly New York's college team, shouldn't be that hard of a sell. 
Disa Isaac, top 100 guy, top 70 guy. He can make an absolute impact on your defense, and it would be one of the biggest gifts for Syracuse football, especially on the defensive side of the ball. If you can haul this guy in, I mean, he's he's getting good looks from Penn State, and that they seem to be the leader in the clubhouse right now. But if you can step in and haul in a guy like Isaac, four-star defensive end, guy probably on the fringe of a five-star too, you're going to really be in business, and you're going to have one of the best Syracuse football recruiting classes, especially in recent memory. So Syracuse got got some stuff to look forward to. And again, this is a team that right now, I mean, you look at it week to week. I know Tommy DeVito played last week, but this team is playing without its four highest-rated players. Kadir White's on the sidelines, redshirting this year, as per usual with a lot of offensive linemen. Tommy DeVito's the backup quarterback. Abdul Adams is your running back. He can't play this year because of transfer rules coming over from Oklahoma. Four-star guy. And then you got a four-star wide receiver, Tristan Jackson, who transferred from Michigan State and can't play this year because of transfer rules, too. Your four highest-rated players, all on the offensive side of the ball, too, are all not a focal part of this team. And this is a team right now that's got a chance to go 9-3 and three today. So... Shows you the state of Syracuse football, certainly on the up and up. All right, when we come back, we'll get to Fizz Feedback. Get all your thoughts from Twitter from the week. That's coming up. You're listening to Fizz Radio. Final stretch here of Fizz Radio. Tyler Aki got you for only a handful of minutes here. Want to get to some thoughts from Twitter for our Fizz Feedback section. Now, we put out a tweet during the Notre Dame game. Syracuse has lost to three teams this season. Number two, Clemson Tigers. Number three, Notre Dame Fighting Irish and Pitt, who is the ACC Coastal Division champion. Hard to realize after today, but you'd be a fool to be disappointed with how the season has gone. Not over yet, either. And I want to get to some of the responses that I saw in this tweet, because I think it really shows where this program is right now. And just getting into it. Listen, you you can get greedy all you want, as at Jade Roy Jr. did. He says, I'm a fool then. National stage, NBC, Notre Dame, and we crumbled. This program needs to capitalize on these opportunities. They don't come often. They don't. And guess what? This Syracuse team is in the infant stages of what it's going to become program-wise because Dino Babers has come in and done a phenomenal job. Now, we can speculate about all the things that is, is he looking for that next job or what, but right now he has built something phenomenal with this team, and you cannot be unsatisfied or or getting greedy with what this team has accomplished this year you've lost to two of the top three teams in the country and you've lost to the the coastal division champion and guess what you could have easily won two of those games too you're a play away from winning both of those games so uh, let's get to some more of the positive stuff though at jack Ryder, paris says eight and three and building with a lot of young kids fun ride so far and set up well for sustainable success that's absolutely right that's something that I think has really kind of flown under the radar with this team is that a lot of it's coming back. Now, I get it. The biggest piece of this puzzle is not that being Eric Dungy. But at the same time, you're going to coast into Tommy DeVito. And while he's had his ups and downs this year, he's certainly shown that when he gets a handle on it, when he'll get a handle on this team for the for the majority share of the snaps, he'll be all right. I'm not worried about Tommy DeVito, nor should you. 
And I'll wrap this one up with, let's go, at Elliot Broyles says, I took an hour to be 100% disappointed. Then I remembered this 8-3 and three is worlds better than 3-8. and eight. Loving this team. And that is the exact mindset I think these Syracuse fans should be having with this team. Because, hey, it's been a special ride this year. It really has. Chance to go 9-3 and three today, probably playing for the Camping World Bowl. So do you want to spend December in New York City at the Pinstripe? Or do you want to spend it down in sunny Orlando, Disney World? So... All right, that's all the time I have for you here on Fizz Radio. We'll be back next week. I'm Tyler Rocky. Thanks so much for listening. Enjoy the Cuse game today.